Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After being released from prison, Malik hunts down his ex-partner's son, Boyd, an out-of-work mechanic whom he believes could lead the way to the missing stolen diamonds which landed him in lockup years later. With the threat of death and the chance of a potential small fortune, Boyd Sloan and his best friend Russell, a small-time crook, they set out on quite a journey. I'm going to just leave it there in terms of uh, it's uh, it's a... Uh, heist film, a thriller, there's a lot going on in this yep. film, and it's called Misfortune, and it's directed and written by Desmond Devenich, and uh, as well as the co-writer, uh, let's say, uh, Xander Bailey as well helped out in this. It's got a very good cast in it, uh, terrific acting all around, and it's going to be screening at the Dances with Films Film Festival. That's tonight at 9.30 at the TLC Chinese Theater. In the meantime, we have the honor and privilege of talking to the director and writer, Desmond Devenich of Misfortune. De- uh, Desmond, welcome to Film School. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Mike. Uh, yeah, well, let's start, at the, let's start at the beginning. Uh, you and uh, Xander um, R- Bailey wrote the film. Where did the story come from? Where, what, what inspired the story? Um, we had written a, a previous script uh, before this that we had gone into production with uh, or I should say pre-production, for um, a, a, a different thriller. It was a political thriller that we were planning on shooting in, in Louisiana. And cut a long story short, everything was all ready to, to, to get started within like two weeks of hitting the ground running, and then our financing fell through. Mm. So that is when we had a bit of a, uh, bit of a huge disappointment, and I kind of had to take a break away from that. And that was about four and a half years ago, mm. uh, just about. And then I got back on the drawing board about a year later, maybe half a year later, um, to bring this script into its fruition, which is misfortune. And misfortune sort of uh, was a lot of, it was kind of the, the calling of a lot of different experiences that took place prior to this uh, regarding a lot of financial situations that I had encountered um, certainly not the least the, uh, the, the financing that fell through for this uh, first film that we're supposed to have finished, um, where there was just a lot of just, just legal um, bad stuff that happened mm-hmm. and a lot of betrayals and, and uh, uh, for lack of better words, insincerity. Um, so I wanted to write something uh, along with Xander to, to really sort of pinpoint how money um, or whatever is symptomatic of, of, of money, um, or emblematic of money, I should say, um, how it affects different people in, in very desperate situations. And that's kind of sort of the, the, sort of the, the genesis of how Misfortune got written. Um, I forgot to point out that you're, you also are the lead in this film. Uh, you play Boyd, yeah. you mentioned him. And um, this film feels like a lot of influences it feels like a lot of films uh, in a good way that i've seen in the past uh, there is mm-hmm. the double cross there's the you know the heist the the fam- the family connection and all of this there's a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, cross currents in the film um is there is there a sort of a genre or a particular kind of film or is any specific films that you felt like are sort of a touchstone for misfortune you know it's it's 
it's funny. It's funny when, when I, when I'm, when I not only ask this, but when I ask myself this, especially after I've written something or directed something, or or, or have a, a little bit of distance from it, and then I look back, and it's it's kind of much easier in hindsight to, to see what some of those influences are. But I think one that that really stuck in my head um, after this, and maybe sort of intermittently alongside this process, was a simple plan. And I think something about that film. I think it's very similar characteristics, and it's just it, it it it's just a great title, and it's it's something that really points towards what the film is. Much like I I, I hope Misfortune is, because I mean, yeah. I think there are certainly times where you can have a title that that sort of is ironic or misleading. Yeah. But a simple plan, um, I think, had a lot of influence on me because it it just it's one of these situations where I think there's just regular perceivably like everyday people yeah. um, that find themselves in a situation that can go south very quickly. And it's not really so much that any of these people are just bad people, um, but that certain situations can sort of, you know, lead someone to, to sort of reach into those, into those, uh, those darker recesses. I think that's a terrific reference. And it's a film that I don't think, it really has ever gotten the due that it deserves uh, for a lot of reasons. I, I, I remember when I watched it, that's got to be a f- 10, 15 years, probably 15 or more years ago it came out. And I remember it for just what you're describing, exactly that, that these people were, it starts out innocently enough and, and it, it slowly but surely starts to tighten up on all of the people concerned. And it also features... One of the best performances, even to this day, I would say, certainly one of the best performances that I can remember in film, Billy Bob Thornton is fantastic. Billy Bob nailed it. I mean, incredible performance. Incredible performance. And I don't remember a whisper about it, you know, in terms of the awards or anything. And I I remember being just dumbstruck. And there's a particular scene, and I know which one you, I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Where he has to really portray his friend at the same time. I mean, it, it's phenomenal. And it's a phenomenal film, and it's a great yeah. reference for your film. I, I couldn't agree more. It has uh, the, the elements yeah. that, that we saw in A Simple Plan. I also felt like there was a, 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 a tad, and maybe it's just in the, some of the opening shots and the closing shots, but it reminded me a little bit of Blood Simple. Um, in that, Blood Simple, sure. Was, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. There is a little bit of that kind of noir-ish film, even though it's not really, it doesn't really, I don't think your film is really trying to be uh, it, uh, uh, visually noir, but it certainly has a lot of the elements that you would find in, in a noir film. Well, while you're on the Coen's Brothers, I mean, uh, No Country for Old Men is another one that, you know, can yeah. sort of be yeah. a yeah. reference to. Yeah. Well, well, let's get away from the references and talk about the film. Now, uh, yeah. it is, in fact, sure. we're just, just talking about it. A lot of different things are going on. Um, and an interesting cast. I'm not familiar with, with many of the, 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 the stars of the show, uh, of the film. Um Jenna Cannell, uh, Kevin Cage. Jenna Cannell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, they're all terrific. Kevin Cage, you might remember, actually, from uh, Heat. Uh, he was Wayne Grow in Heat, which was you know, one of the, uh, the prominent villains in, in that Michael Mann uh, thriller. Oh, okay, okay. Very long hair. Yeah, he's one of the, yeah, he's one of the, the, the setup guys. And, uh, yeah, okay. him and De Niro had a big, big showdown. Um, and Steve Earle, you might recognize from from the music world too. Well, He's a, a very oh yeah very uh, accoladed country folk uh, musician. Oh yeah, oh my God! I, and I was when I saw it before I saw the film, I saw that Steve Earle 
and Nick uh, Mancuso. But I saw Steve Earle. I thought, uh, I thought, well, wait a minute, is that yeah. is that the Steve Earle that I know? And I thought, <laughs> Steve Earle, <laughs> that is that is him. He's a fantastic musician. You could, so look, we'll talk. Let's talk Absolutely. about how you how you rounded up the cast. I mean, this is obviously a pretty yeah. diverse group. Um, know, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, we had a very um, we had a tight budget. And I knew cast was, you know, that's the most one of the most important things for me. Talent is 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 that's that's your that's your your foundation. That and and your locations. I, I kind of put those put those very close to each other. I mean, obviously, at, at the end of the day, talent's gonna gonna edge out for location. But I think what you're seeing on screen, you need believability, and obviously, all the components in there creatively add to that. But but certainly, talent and locations are two things you you can't you have very little uh, real estate to shy away from and, 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 to, and to cut corners on. So um, given that we had a very limited budget, we just put an open casting out. And luckily enough, uh, Steve Earle and Nick Mancuso both we, we, we found submissions for and uh, we followed up and, and we were really uh, excited to see that, 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 that they had landed on our page and we, we followed through and we got, uh, we got them secured. And the Kevin Gage role uh, was was so critical for us because we wanted someone that had some age, but wasn't too too elder, but but still had an intimidation factor. Mm-hmm. And actually, Xander was the one who approached me on that because I was scratching my head for, for 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 days trying to figure out who would be perfect for that role. And he mentioned Kevin Gage, and I thought that's that is, that's a perfect fit. So we we, we found negotiations, and once the, once those three elements were in place, we were we were feeling pretty good because I think. We knew Xander and I knew we were both going to play the the other two lead roles, and uh, and then the casting for the for the for the female lead that that went out nationwide, and, and we 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 whittled that way on that one also. Yeah, no, it, it's a good cast, and and um, you you mentioned location, absolutely. In fact, going back to kind of the Alfred Hitchcock school of filmmaking, and that is make sure you've got a good cast, right? And then and most of your work is taken care of. I mean, it takes care of itself sure. if you've got the right people in the right place. And the setting, uh, the desert always makes for a, 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 a sort of a great cinematic uh, canvas to paint on. And uh, that's yeah. quite, quite featured quite prominently in this film as well. It's, 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 it's the sense, that thinking back, it was almost a lot of it was outside. There was some yeah. interiors, but not a lot. Everything is pretty much outside if I'm... Am I re- remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, no, it was, and you know, and Tucson is just mm-hmm. there's no better place to shoot a sunset in the desert. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, the sunsets last for days, and they're like violet, orange. I mean, it's they're gorgeous. I mean, it's just they're so picturesque. So it's just we're we're, we're given like the, the the keys to like this this gorgeous landscape, and um, and it's funny because actually out of all the components of this entire process of making this film, and I'm talking even even post. Even, even, even presently, that was the most like uh, successful thing that that went off without any hitches. Was was location scouting, um, and we had a great producer on this named Roger Stylin, um, alongside with with uh, um, Scott Lautner and his other producer. And we both, you know, the three of us, we landed all these locations within like four or five days, uh, but one after another, after another, after another, after another, and 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 it really speaks volumes also to the community in Tucson how how helpful they were to to give us these locations and, 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 and let us shoot with, with, with the most, you know, easiest uh, facility. Yeah. Let, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Desmond Denovich and the, uh, the director, writer, producer, 
uh, and the, the the lead in the film Misfortune and uh, Misfortune will be uh, as part of the Dances with Film Film Festival. It will be screening tonight. That would be June 10th at 9:30 p.m. at the uh, TLC Chinese Theaters. God only knows how many uh, reiterations of the Chinese that Chinese theater has gone through, but it's currently called the T <laughs> TLC. Uh, <laughs> You know, I know it's been through a few people's hands, but I, I have no idea. Maybe there's actually Chinese investors actually own it now. I have no idea who TLC TLC yeah, is. They, no, they they do. You're correct about that. Is yeah. that right? I just yeah, oh my god, how, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Well, well, it sounds like you you had you know you've surrounded yourself, and I think this is the key, one of the keys to being a good filmmaker with a future, and that is surrounding yourself with a with a with a cadre of people that you're comfortable with. And it sure seems like that. I mean, Xander Bailey is not only a writer, but he's also in the film yourself. You had you wore many hats. Uh, I don't know if you've ever worked with your cinematographer uh, Seth uh, Johnson before. But... I have actually on the last project. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a short of mine. Pleasure. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. I, I get. I just. I. I have a lot of different filmmakers that I've uh, interviewed over the years. Uh, have surrounded themselves with this, and this is the core: cinematography, someone you trust as a producer who you can work with, and and the people mm -hmm. that build up a kind of an ensemble of people that you're comfortable working with. Um, is that how you planned it, or did it just kind of work out that it's, way? No, uh, more of the former. Um, and you know, I think I think the easiest way to answer that is that as a producer. I think a majority, at least of my time spent, is, is in front of a computer or, 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 or my ears uh, glued to a phone. And within that process, there are so many people that you contact by email, by phone, and, and you just go through like, just, just waves and waves of different people that, that some people may not be right for at the time. It, it, it could just be not the same creative interest or just a multitude of reasons. So I think when you finally find that group of people or those individuals that work with you and work well with you, it's like why, you know, it's the old adage, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's why when you see in the industry, these directors and cinematographers that, that stay on the same film, or production designers, or whoever, or actors, whoever it might be, that stay on the same films time after time, it's, it is about relationship building, and it's about getting each other, and I think that that was a major thing that went through our head, because you know that you're in safe hands, and the last thing you want on a set it, it, I, I think it, what, what I feel is the same beauty about filmmaking, yeah. which is developing your relationships and, and being able to challenge each other. There's also the converse of that, which I think is true. You want to feel like, in some senses, you don't have to worry about that. Or you don't want something to go wrong because there's so many things that are unpredictable on a film set. So having, especially with a DP and having a great DP, especially because I was acting as well as directing, you want to make sure that that, that, that person in charge is, is going to be lining up those shots and, and be able to take a lot of weight off your shoulders. Right. Seth did that. Yeah, and, and I think that's absolutely spot on myself, for, again, from, from the point of view of someone who talks to a lot of filmmakers, that is such an important, I mean, it's a stressful enough endeavor. I mean, there's so many ways, and I don't have to tell you, but for the audience, I'm sure they already know that there's a million ways for a for a film to go sideways, uh, financing, uh, an actor gets sick in the middle of it. As you had earlier, you already talked about the financing end of it. Um, and I think yeah. watching your film, one of the things that I'm, I'm impressed by is, I mean, I, and I'm, it's not a knock, it's just I think it's it's the, the reality. Uh, the, there was, yeah. You didn't have a lot of money to spend, but if I'm, nope. if I'm a producer watching your film, if I'm in the business watching your film, you got a lot out of 
of of mm-hmm. what you were working with. I mean, you really did. You got a lot with with the actors. You got a lot with the different sets. You got a lot of different people in it. You have got a lot of storyline working, but it all comes together very nicely. So I, it's just very impressive all the way around in terms of how you were able to pull this together. And it's a good film. I mean, at the end of the day, it, right. you know, and it's won some awards. Let me let our listeners know that the Jaipur International Film Festival was a winner of the Yellow Rose. I don't know exactly yep. what that is. Arizona yep. International Film Festival, it's played there, sold out uh, performances uh, there. Black Hill Film Festival, winner of the best uh, feature film. So you're doing well when audiences have a chance to see it. And uh, that's got to feel great. It's, it feels great. It does. And just to kind of go back on what you're talking about with, 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 with getting the best, best quality of a film, I think what I've learned... And certainly, hopefully, this speaks somewhat to, to, to my predatorial uh, like efforts. Is that there's certain places I think you have to sink money into uh, and, and know where those costs are the most effective. And that's I think most most predominantly in your picture and your sound and your talent, because I think those are three things that when people are sitting in, in, a, in, in a in a darkened uh, theatrical setting and they're looking on a big screen, they want to escape. They want to feel that they're they're getting value. They're getting some sort of experience where they, you are doing your best to give them that semblance of reality um, or altered reality. And I think certainly we we spent some 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 good quality of money in our in our picture. We, we used an Alexa. So we had a great camera system, right. and our sound was also mixed by Tony Lamberti, who uh, is the Oscar-nominated uh, sound designer. And oh. He worked on. Uh, Tarantino films and Michael Mann, and he's, he's actually doing the next Ghostbusters. So, and that was that was a major importance for me too, is getting quality sound because I think that's something that I think, especially in the indie world, in an emerging indie world, it can be it, it can be thought of as secondary. And I think sound is something that an audience knows, even though they may not know like ostensibly like right off the bat, but they know it intuitively when it's not good sound. So yeah, yeah. that was. That was a thing too. Well, you you didn't have a lot of music exactly, but you had a lot of sound. I mean, I was impressed watch listening to it as I'm watching and I'm picking up on the the audio cues that you were you that you have in yeah. the film. And I thought that you did a really nice job as I was watching it. I mean, I'm somebody who when I watch a film, I enjoy it. I'm also you know have to look at it with an analytical eye as well. And I'm watching it and and, and I'm feeling like. Yeah, that's great. That works. That works for that works for this, that scene. I thought that was great. I mean, even though you can get lost in a film, it, it's still it's sort of a, a a a second nature for for someone like or for me anyway, watching movies. And I thought I was really impressed with the sound uh, design in it. I, I thought it was yeah, right. I mean, it worked. It worked real well. Um, now it's you, great. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's great. No, no I think that that's that's something I think that we. You know, when you hear a great soundscape and you hear you hear those little details, those little nuances, yeah. and, and and certainly having to find having to find a way to, to sort of blend your music cues in where they're not hitting you over the head, I think that was a huge challenge for me because I feel like the more I, I really wanted to complement this film with it, with, it, with a, a, a very strong sound um, sound sound design and and it's something I feel that that really especially now going into this. This 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 present day of like uh, incredible um, like Atmos and, and all these different yeah. surround sounds. Yeah. Um, I think there's just so much opportunity to really challenge yourself and push the envelope 
to 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 get something that that really makes an impression. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, in the last minute or so I have with you, I wanted to ask you about the. Yeah. Uh, you wore f at least four hats. Let me see if I got this right: director, writer, <laughs> producer, uh, and also uh, lead actor. Um, what was the the challenge? What is there one that was the most challenging? Is it a combination of being on the set and directing, and you're directing yourself in a sense? What was it? What was it that you was the most difficult yeah. for to, to negotiate in this? I think that is. I think. I think. I think acting and directing <clears throat> is. It's. It's interesting because that. That for me is something I definitely want to explore more. I do know that there are projects that I'm going to be very happy with, just doing acting alone or or, or solely uh, direct directing. However, I think that the main challenge with directing and acting is, if I can really sum it up, it's probably the time constraints. Um, because I think if you have more time, I mean, even though being on a film set, you're always under the gun, you're always looking at the sun, you're always looking at the clock, and, and, and doing your best to, to give people a thousand notes, if not your own self, um, before you, you, you start throwing a shot. I think for me, it, it's being able to find ways to tap into a character quicker or, uh, you know, alternatively, finding a way to get the shots uh, done uh, quicker also, which a lot of that's preparation. And if you have your shot listings and, and you've got your location, your, your, your scouts, and you're able to kind of set things up, I think that makes it a lot more, uh, a lot more facile, or not facile, but, but a, a lot more, um, a, a lot more streamlined. But yeah. I think, for me, um, as far as acting and directing, um, I, I like the challenge, and I think that that I, I, it's something I want to explore more because I feel like if it's if it's difficult to do, then that's what I want to go towards. Well, well, I would say. By the way, we're speaking with Desmond Devinich, and he is the director, producer, writer, and lead actor in Misfortune, a film that's going to be screening tonight at the Dances with Films Film Festival at uh, 9.30 p.m. at the uh, TLC Chinese Theater. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. You can find out more about it. Uh, also, um, in terms of finding out more about the film, you can go to facebook.com backslash misfortunefilm and find out a little more from that and screenings and um, goings on with the film. Yep. Um, well, I was going to say that, you know, for someone who is this your first feature starting out, it's a heavy lift mm -hmm. for, uh, to to be a director, writer, producer, and and um, and lead actor. But so many actors, once they are in the business for a little while, want to step behind the camera. And and mm -hmm. so you you're you you are you know you've got a I think a leg up in that regard. You've already done it, and you've been. If you want to continue to pursue acting, you've got you've got a lot of avenues open to you. And uh, I think I think. You're gonna you're gonna get a lot of attention for for the work you're doing. So, uh, congratulations. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And, and I just you know want to say one last thing. It's like uh, in regards to all those hats. Like I really advocate just any filmmakers coming up. And and I've got a couple people that I really look look you know I, I sort of hopefully I, I I try to apprentice um, is that. Um, just shoot, just go out and make films because I feel like the, the best thing that I've learned from these films, even the shorts, um, which can easily sort of be, be disregarded in, in sort of the, the light of making a feature, there is so much to learn. And, and it's even, even going out and shooting like a, a few minutes short or, or getting, I mean, I did, I did my last short that, that was initially supposed to be a feature with a four-person crew. And when I say four-person, I mean two-person crew and two actors. Mm -hmm. And the actors were, were the other lead actress and I 
we're both moving equipment around and setting up shots. So yeah. it, it, everything could be done. Yeah. And, I, and I just want to encourage filmmakers that if you want to make a film, it doesn't have to be on a giant budget. You just have to get someone that can record sound, someone that can record picture, find some locations, have a car, and go make a film. There you go. Great advice. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's you know writers write directors and filmmakers make films so that's what we, what that's uh, terrific. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a part of film school. Uh, once again, the film is Misfortune. Uh, we've been speaking with the director, writer, producer, and lead actor Desmond Denovich, uh, and he's um, going to be. I assume you're going to be at the uh, screening on uh, tonight. I will be at the screening. <laughs> there will be uh, there will be a Q and A also um, afterwards, and directly afterwards that there will be an after party. Oh, um, hey at the yeah. nearby yeah, Skinner Flat. Uh, so okay. you're all welcome, and uh, oh, it'll be wonderful to see everyone come out. Very good. Well, excellent. Well, uh, Desmond, all the best to you uh, in, in your uh, future and all the best on uh, tonight uh, with the, uh, the screening at Dances with Films Film Festival uh, tonight at 930. Thank you so much for being a part of Film School. Thank you so much, Mike. It was wonderful chatting with you. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.